Hello and welcome to Is That Public Domain? Which is the podcast in which I primarily just read things that are in the public domain, which means that I can read them for you and no one can sue me. At least I hope not. I am not a lawyer. So um, I basically wanted to make something like this for like at least 10 years now and I didn't think anybody would listen. And I still don't think anyone's going to listen, but I want to do it anyway. So here goes. The first thing I am going to read for you is from this. I have this extremely old book called Collected Lyrics, which is a book of poems by Edna St. Vincent Millay, who is wonderful. And I have this book and I'm just going to start from the beginning and read from there. Okay. So this is Renaissance by Edna St. Vincent Millay. All I could see from where I stood was three long mountains and a wood. I turned and looked another way and saw three islands in a bay. So with my eyes, I traced the line of the horizon, thin and fine, straight around till I was come back to where I'd started from. And all I saw from where I stood was three long mountains and a wood. Over these things I could not see, these were the things that bounded me, and I could touch them with my hand, almost, I thought, from where I stand. And all at once things seemed so small, my breath came short, and scarce at all. But sure, the sky is big, I said, miles and miles above my head, so here upon my back I'll lie and look my fill into the sky. And so I looked. And after all, the sky was not so very tall. The sky, I said, must somewhere stop. And sure enough, I see the top. The sky, I thought, is not so grand. I most could touch it with my hand. And reaching up my hand to try, I screamed to feel it touch the sky. I screamed, and lo, infinity came down and settled over me. Forced back my scream into my chest, bent back my arm upon my breast. Impressing of the undefined, the definition on my mind, held up before my eyes a glass through which my shrinking sight did pass until it seemed I must behold immensity made manifold. Whispered to me a word whose sound deafened the air for worlds around and brought unmuffled to my ears the gossiping of friendly spheres, the creaking of the tented sky, the ticking of eternity. I saw and heard and knew at last the how and why of all things past and present and forevermore. The universe cleft to the core lay lay open to my probing sense that sickening I would fain pluck thence but could not nay but needs must suck at the great wound and could not pluck my lips away till I had drawn all venom out. Ah, fearful pawn, for my omniscience paid I toll in infinite remorse of soul. All sin was of my sinning, all atoning mine, and mine the gal of all regret. Mine was the weight of every brooded wrong, the hate that stood behind each envious thrust, mine every greed, mine every lust. And all the while, for every grief, each suffering, I craved relief with individual desire, craved all in vain, and felt fierce fire about a thousand people crawl, perished with each, then mourned for all. A man was starving in Capri. He moved his eyes and looked at me. 
I felt his gaze, I heard his moan, and knew his hunger as my own. I saw at sea a great fog bank between two ships that struck and sank. A thousand screams the heavens smote, and every scream tore through my throat. No hurt I did not feel, no death that was not mine. Mine each last breath that crying met an answering cry from the compassion that was I. All suffering mine, and mine its rod. Mine, pity, like the pity of God. Ah, awful weight, infinity pressed down upon the finite me. My anguished spirit like a bird, beating against my lips I heard. Yet lay the weight so close about there was no room for it without. And so beneath the weight lay I, and suffered death, but could not die. Long had I lain thus, craving death, when quietly the earth beneath gave way. And inch by inch, so great at last had grown the crushing weight, into the earth I sank, till I full six feet underground did lie, and sank no more. There is no weight can follow here, however great. From off my breast I felt it roll, and as it went my tortured soul burst forth and fled in such a gust that all about me swirled the dust. Deep in the earth I rested now. Cool is its hand upon the brow, and soft its breast beneath the head of one who is so gladly dead. And all at once, and over all, the pitying rain began to fall. I lay and heard each pattering hoof upon my lowly, thatched roof, and seemed to love the sound far more than ever I had done before. For rain, it hath a friendly sound to one who's six feet underground. And scarce the friendly voice or face, a grave, is such a quiet place. The rain, I said, is kind to come and speak to me in my new home. I would I were alive again, to kiss the fingers of the rain, to drink into my eyes the shine of every slanting silver line, to catch the freshened fragrant breeze from drenched and dripping apple trees. For soon the shower will be done, and then the broad face of the sun will laugh above the rain-soaked earth until the world, with answering mirth, shakes joyously, and each round drop rolls, twinkling, from its grass-blade top. How can I hear it buried here, while overhead the sky grows clear and blue again after the storm? O multicolored, multiform, beloved beauty over me that I shall never, never see again! Spring silver, autumn gold! that I shall never more behold, sleeping your myriad magics through, close sepulchred, away from you. O oh God, I cried, give me new birth, and put me back upon the earth. Upset each cloud's gigantic gourd, and let the heavy rain down poured in one big torrent, set me free, washing my grave away from me. I ceased, and through the breathless hush that answered me, the far-off rush of herald wings came whispering like music, down the vibrant string of my ascending prayer, and crash! Before the wild wind's whistling lash, the startled storm clouds reared on high and plunged in terror down the sky. And the big rain in one black wave fell from the sky and struck my grave. I know not how such things can be. I only know there came to me a fragrance such as never clings to aught save happy, living things. A sound as of some joyous elf singing sweet songs to please himself, and through and over everything, a sense of glad awakening. The grass, a tiptoe at my ear, whispering to me, I could hear. I felt the rain's cool fingertips brush tenderly across my lips. 
lay gently on my sealed sight, and all at once the heavy night fell from my eyes, and I could see a drenched and dripping apple tree, a last long line of silver rain, a sky grown clear and blue again, and as I looked, a quickening gust of wind blew up to me and thrust into my face a miracle of orchard breath. And with the smell, I know not how such things can be. I breathed my soul back into me. Ah, up then from the ground sprang I, and hailed the earth with such a cry as is not heard save from a man who has been dead and lives again. About the trees my arms I wound, like one gone mad, I hugged the ground. I raised my quivering arms on high, I laughed and laughed into the sky. To let my throat a strangling sob caught fiercely, and a great heart throb sent instant tears into my eyes. O oh God, I cried, no dark disguise can e'er hereafter hide from me thy radiant identity. Thou canst not move across the grass, but my quick eyes will see thee pass, nor speak, however silently, but my hushed voice will answer thee. I know the path that tells thy way through the cool eve of every day. God, I can push the grass apart and lay my finger on thy heart. The world stands out on either side, no wider than the heart is wide. Above the world is stretched the sky, no higher than the soul is high. The heart can push the sea and land, farther away on either hand. The soul can split the sky in two, and let the face of God shine through. But east and west will pinch the heart, that cannot keep them pushed apart. And he whose soul is flat, the sky will cave in on him, by and by. So that was Renaissance by Edna St. Vincent Millay. The next one is called Interim. The room is full of you. As I came in and closed the door behind me, all at once, a something in the air, intangible, yet stiff with meaning, struck my senses sick. Sharp, unfamiliar odors have destroyed each other's rooms Dear personality, the heavy scent of damp funeral flowers, the very essence, hush distilled of death, has strangled that habitual breath of home whose expiration leaves all houses dead. And wheresoever I look is hideous change, save here. Here it was as if a weed-choked gate had opened at my touch, and I had stepped into some long-forgot, enchanted, strange, sweet garden of a thousand years ago, and suddenly thought, I've been here before. You are not here. I know that you are gone, and you will never enter here again. And yet it seems to me, if I should speak, your silent step must wake across the hall. If I should turn my head, that your sweet eyes would kiss me from the door. So short a time to teach my life its transposition to this difficult and unaccustomed key. The room is as you left it. Your last touch, a thoughtless pressure, knowing not itself as saintly. Hallows now each simple thing, hallows and glorifies, and glows between the dust's gray fingers like a shielded light. There is your book, just as you laid it down, face to the table. I cannot believe that you are gone. Just then it seemed to me you must be here. I almost laughed to think how like reality the dream had been, yet knew before I laughed, and so was still. That book outspread just as you laid it down, Perhaps you thought, I wonder what comes next, and whether this or this will be the end. 
so rose and left it thinking to return. Perhaps that chair, when you arose and passed out of the room, rocked silently a while, ere it again was still. When you were gone forever from the room, perhaps that chair, stirred by your movement, rocked a little while, silently, to and fro. And here are the last words your fingers wrote, scrawled in broad characters across a page in this brown book I gave you. Here your hand, guiding your rapid pen, moved up and down. Here, with a looping knot, you crossed a T. And here, another like it, just beyond these two eccentric E's. You were so small and wrote so brave a hand. How strange it seems that of all words, these are the words you chose. And yet a simple choice you did not know you would not write again. If you had known. But then it does not matter. And indeed, if you had known there was so little time, you would have dropped your pen and come to me, and this page would be empty and some phrase other than this would hold my wonder now. Yet since you could not know, and it befell that these are the last words your fingers wrote, there was a dignity some might not see in this. I picked the first sweet pea today. Today! Was there an opening bud beside it you left until tomorrow? Oh, my love, the things that withered. And you came not back. That day you filled this circle of my arms that now is empty. Oh, my empty life. That day, that day you picked the first sweet pea and brought it in to show me. I recall with terrible distinctness how the smell of your cool gardens drifted in with you. I know you held it up for me to see and flushed because I looked not at the flower but at your face. And when behind my look you saw such unmistakable intent, you laughed and brushed your flower against my lips. You were the fairest thing God ever made, I think. And then your hands above my heart drew down its stem into a fastening. And while your head was bent, I kissed your hair. I wonder if you knew. Beloved hands, somehow I cannot seem to see, these, to see them still. Somehow I cannot seem to see the dust in your bright hair. What is the need of heaven when earth can be so sweet? If only God had let us love and show the world the way. Strange cancelings must ink the eternal books when love crossed out will bring the answer right. That first sweet pea, I wonder where it is. It seems to me I laid it down somewhere, and yet I am not sure. I am not sure, even, if it was white or pink. For then, t'was much like any other flower to me, save that it was the first. I did not know, then, that it was the last. If I had known, but then it does not matter. Strange how few, after all said and done, the things that are of moment. Few indeed, when I can make of ten small words a rope to hang the world. I had you, and I have you now no more. There, there it dangles. Where's the little truth that can for long keep footing under that, when its slack syllables tighten to a thought? Here, let me write it down. I wish to see just how a thing like that will look on paper. I had you, and I have you now no more. Oh, little words, how can you run so straight across the page beneath the weight you bear? How can you fall apart, whom such a theme has bound together and hereafter aid in trivial expression that have been so hideously dignified? Would God that tearing you apart would tear the thread I strung you on? Would God, oh God, my mind stretches asunder on this merciless rack of imagery. Oh, let me sleep a while. Would I could sleep and wake to find me back in that sweet summer afternoon with you. Summer? 
Tis summer still by the calendar. How easily could God, if he so willed, set back the world a little turn or two, correct its grief, and bring its joys again. We were so wholly one, I had not thought that we could die apart. I had not thought that I could move, and you be stiff and still, that I could speak, and you perforce be dumb. I think our heartstrings were like warp and woof in some firm fabric woven in and out your golden filaments in fair design across my duller fiber. And today, the shining strip is rent. The exquisite fine pattern is destroyed. Part of your heart aches in my breast. Part of my heart lies chilled in the damp earth with you. I have been torn in two and suffer for the rest of me. What is my life to me? And what am I to life, a ship whose star has guttered out? A fear that in the deep night starts awake perpetually to find its senses strained against the taut strings of the quivering air awaiting the return of some dread chord? Dark, dark is all I find for metaphor. All else were contrast. Save that contrast's wall is down and all opposed things flow together in a vast monotony where night and day and frost and thaw and death and life are synonyms. What now, what now to me are all the jabbering birds and foolish flowers that clutter up the world? You were my song. Now, now let discord scream. You are my flower. Now let the world grow weeds, for I shall not plant things above your grave, the common balm of the conventional woe for its own wound. Amid sensations rendered negative by your elimination stands today. Certain, unmixed, element of grief, I sorrow, and I shall not mock my truth with travesties of suffering, nor seek to effigy its incorporeal bulk in little wry-faced images of woe. I cannot call you back, and I desire no utterance of my immaterial voice. I cannot even turn my face this way or that and say, my face is turned to you. I know not where you are. I do not know if heaven holds you, or if earth transmutes, body and soul, you into earth again. But this I know, not for one second space shall I insult my sight with visioning such as the credulous crowd so eager-eyed beholds, self-conjured in the empty eye, self-conjured in the empty air. Let the world wail, let drip its easy tears, my sorrow shall be dumb. What do I say, God, 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 pity me? Am I gone mad that I should spit upon a rosary? Am I become so shrunken? Would to God I too might feel that frenzied faith whose touch makes temporal the most enduring grief, though it must walk a while, as is its wont, with wild lamenting? Would I too might weep where weeps the world and hangs its piteous wreaths for its new dead? Not truth, but faith it is that keeps the world alive. If all at once faith were to slacken, that unconscious faith which must, I know, yet be the cornerstone of all believing. Birds now flying fearless across would drop in terror to the earth. Fishes would drown, and the all-governing rains would tangle in the frantic hands of God, and the world's gallop headlong to destruction. O oh God, I see it now, and my sick brain staggers and swoons. How often over me flashes this breathlessness of sudden sight, in which I see the universe unrolled before me like a scroll, and read thereon chaos and doom, where helpless planets whirl dizzily round and round and round and round, like tops across a table, 
gathering speed with every spin, to waver on the edge one instant, looking over, and the next to shudder and lurch forward out of sight. I am worn out. I am wearied out. It is too much. I am but flesh and blood, and I must sleep. Though you were dead again, I am but flesh and blood, and I must sleep. That was interim. Okay, so those were two pretty long poems. Um, again, they're by Edna St. Vincent Millay, who was a wonderful poet. And that is all I am going to be doing today. So thank you if you listened, and thank you if you didn't. Okay.